Welcome to the Building Stronger Homes podcast, where we apply principles from God's Word, the Bible, to child training and home life. I'm Stephen. And I'm Scott. We are Bible teachers in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we are excited to get into God's Word and apply it to our homes. Welcome back to episode three of the Building Better Homes, or Stronger Homes, rather, podcast. Um, And we're going to be getting into kind of some of the meat of the material today and talking about parenting pitfalls. And uh, as Scott has mentioned on previous episodes, um, it's important to remember that if you find yourself falling into some of these or realize you've been doing some of these for a while, to not despair, not feel like, oh, there's no way out of this, but uh, kids are resilient. And um, there's always opportunity to uh, to work on these things. But uh, we'll look at it kind of from the negative perspective as far as like avoid these things. But obviously, as we go through, we can talk about the positive end of each of these as well. Exactly. So what we're going to be talking about today is th- three points. The mistakes of ignoring misbehavior, rewarding misbehavior, and expecting misbehavior. So kids are going to misbehave. They come into the world. Uh, they they don't know a whole lot. They don't understand things. Uh, they're totally dependent at the beginning, and they're not ready to be thinking about what other people need or what they can contribute to society. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they, they come in uh, like they come in, and it's adorable. But then if we don't train them, it starts to get unadorable. Yeah. And if you've ever seen a three or four year old that has not been parented or trained at all, you you know what unadorable starts to look like. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so how do we react to that? Well, God gave us these children and he gave us time. He gave us years and years to train them and mold them and, and help them know, uh, and learn. And that's a beautiful thing. But if the parent doesn't do that, it's, it gets to be sad. And so let's talk about the first one, which is ignoring misbehavior, which is basically just failing to correct and teach and discipline. Hmm. Um, and, and let's say something about discipline. We're going to be talking here mostly about discipline in the corrective or punitive sense. But that's not at all the only kind of discipline there is. So where does our our English word discipline, what's kind of involved there that's not just corrective and punitive? Yeah, I mean, so some discipline is going to be, uh, you know, uh, identifying misbehavior and providing negative consequences to correct that. But the other end would be the positive end of things, you know, praising uh, good behavior not rewarding good behavior, uh, motivating good behavior. And there's also kind of the two ends of, um, I'm trying to remember which proverb this is right now, the the rod and reproof uh, yeah, yeah. bring, bring uh, wisdom. wisdom. And so there's the negative consequences, but there's also just the verbal teaching of here's, here's why you're doing this. Yes. Here's what you need to do. And here's look ahead to the consequences, you know? Uh, and so if you have, just discipline as far as like just punishment that's without no instruction that, that's that's no good because like horrible. the kid d- doesn't know what to expect They're like why right. why did that happen you know what's yeah. going on but if you just have instruction without 
follow up without actual consequences, then that's no good either because the kid knows, well, that's instruction, but like totally optional. Doesn't matter if I do it or not, nothing's going to happen. And so both of those things go into discipline. And notice uh, the similarity in the word discipline, in the word disciple. Oh yeah, that's right. We're, we're to be followers of Christ and being a follower of Christ is not just about worried about being punished. It's looking to the example of Christ, learning from it, emulating it. And our, our, our little children, they're looking to us and they're little sponges. And it's, it's really funny sometimes to see how much they imitate us. And here's, here's the kicker. Sometimes it's really cute and adorable because we see them, even some of their toys, mm -hmm. you know, they got a toy lawnmower because they want to be like dad and mother grass, or they got uh, some other toy and they're wanting to be like mom and dad. Sometimes we see our kids, this is one, been one of the most frustrating things to me. When I see one of my kids misbehaving and it's very, very, very familiar. Yes. And I know exactly where they got it from. I'll tell you the other day, uh, our, I was thinking it was our middle daughter, uh, she was carrying around one of those little like, um, oil and bubble, uh, toys where like the, the oil drips down yeah, yeah. and goes through the wheels and stuff. Um, but she was, it was her cell phone and she was on it and, uh, we said something to her and she's like, Oh, hang on just a minute. I'm on my phone. <laughs> like, oh no. I know where she got that, <laughs> and I'm not happy about it. Um, and again, she's three years old, and they learn so quickly yeah, to yeah. imitate. Yeah. Um, so, as you say, uh, sometimes when you see behavior in your kids, you realize, oh, I have been teaching them that inadvertently. Because they are I, sponges. And, and I need to work on that. Uh, there's so much of the discipline that I'm giving to my kids, and, and there'll be other times where I'm telling uh, one of my daughters, okay, like, okay, you need to think about this. You need to do this. And then I'll realize, and I'll add, and daddy needs to work on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And it's very helpful to be honest with our kids on that. Um, all right. So discipline is not just corrective and punitive, but that's the part we're about to be started talking about. Listen to these verses from Proverbs about the need of corrective discipline. So Proverbs 13, 24 says, he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. We'll be coming back again and again to this text, but notice first off that what's the motivation for the discipline? And here it says that he who loves him yes. disciplines him. And then how is the discipline done? Diligently. That's going to be that's going to involve being consistent, not occasionally, because that's not going to teach a child. Yeah. All right. So he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. And we can tell the type of corrective dis discipline this is because it's in contrast to the parent that doesn't care enough about their child to use the rod right. to to give him what he needs. All right. Proverbs nineteen verse eighteen. It reads, discipline your son while there is hope and do not desire his death. While there's hope, children are very, just like working with pottery, uh, the younger they are, the more moldable they are. Uh, so do this while 
they're still moldable. Proverbs 22.15 says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Proverbs 23.13. This one says, Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. Now, again, you don't need to spank the child too hard where you're actually injuring the child. This is something to teach them a lesson. It's corrective. Uh, There are people that take out their anger on children and abuse children. That is not what we're talking about. The text previously said you do this out of love Mm -hmm. for the child. I I was with my dad just the other day, and uh, (laughs) the subject of spanking come up, and I said something along the lines of, you know, that I benefited from those spankings. And I thanked him for for the way that he raised me. But a little guy will sometimes cry like it's a bigger deal than it is. Uh, And I remember the boy that told his sister, he says, haven't you figured it out by now? The louder that you cry, the sooner mom's done spanking you. (laughs) So so, um, don't, don't overdo it. Do it enough to get the point across. Uh, and help them learn. Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof. There it is. Bring wisdom. But a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. And how many times have you seen that? You see, it's so sad. It might be a three or four or five-year-old child, and they're totally out of control. They're maybe kicking, screaming, telling their parent they hate them. They're just miserable, miserable little people. And the mother is either ignoring them or cussing at the child or just embarrassed and and maybe saying, I don't know why they do this. They never do this at home. And that, that little guy needs, he needs some teaching and he needs some correction. He doesn't need his misbehavior to be ignored. Proverbs 29, 17, correct your son and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. What he needs is correction. He doesn't need to be, he doesn't need to be rewarded and whatever he's screaming and kicking for to say, okay, you can have it or do it anyway. That is the last thing he needs. When a child's misbehaving, don't give them what they are misbehaving to get. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We tell our kids pretty regularly, you know, how are you acting right now? When you act that way, do you get what you want? No. <laughs> and I just, I yeah. just know that. Yeah. And we'll get to that in a minute, rewarding misbehavior. Uh, but uh, I'll just say from the parenting perspective, uh, there are just days and times, you know, you talk about consistency. That is so hard. There are times where you're just tired. The easy thing to do is ignore. Oh, yeah. And just be like, you know what? I'm just going to let it slide this time. And there are times where you're going to be inconsistent. There's going to be times where you, you let something slide, but when that becomes the norm, um, what's so hard is, is to really try to act in the best interest of the child and to say, I'm not just disciplining because I don't like it. I'm disciplining because I see this is foolishness in the child and I want to help them. And I'm going to do this calmly. I'm going to do this in control, but man, there are just days where the day has been really long. You got a million other things going on and the child chooses that moment to act out and you're like, okay, 
that I have to, I even can't, though I'm tired, I can't ignore this. Right. I have to give them discipline, not just because I'm frustrated. I need to bring that down first, but because this is what they need. And, and there's a point here to be made about consistency. Um, studies have been done with rats where like if they touch a certain thing with their nose or their paw, they get, uh, you know, some food uh, or a treat, something they want. And studies have been shown that it almost produces an addictive behavior that when it's not consistent, when sometimes doing it doesn't get them what they want, but sometimes it does, that that really pushes the rat behavior to keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, hoping to get it. And you think about, you think about people who are addicted to gambling. Hmm. They go in there. It's not like, oh, I, I put $5 in the slot machine of stuff in the slot machine and I get 20. That's how it works. Now I go home. No, it's sometimes it doesn't work. In fact, usually it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But then but sometimes the it chance. does. And it's that on the chance that pushes them to try and try and try and try and, and go for that chance. Mm-hmm. And I read an article one time where a child psychologist was talking about how little children are kind of like little gamblers in that way, that when sometimes their misbehavior pays off, that that's, that's when they're mm-hmm. going to keep doing it. And that ties into our next point, uh, rewarding misbehavior. Um, but I, I want to give a quick illustration here of and and this is i feel sad when i say this because actually age four is one of my favorite ages and i used to know a little boy and he was four years old and this doesn't feel comfortable to say but i did not like him and that 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 just that's not fun to say because how can you not like a four-year-old? Well, because the parents had really utterly failed this four-year-old. And so he was just a mess. Uh, he would totally ignore his parents. He wouldn't obey. He was not a happy little kid. He would just do stuff. Uh, and, and like, I'll give you just one a quick example. One time he comes to my door, he opens my door, doesn't knock. He's just standing there. He's not smiling. He's not happy. He's standing there. His overalls are soaked in the front and they're brown in the back. And he says, I don't have to use the bathroom. Hmm. Just with this kind of rebellious, kind of sullen expression. Hmm. And I can tell more stories, but I, I won't. But the thing is like, That was not a likable kid to be around. Mm -hmm. And at four, it wasn't his fault. He was misbehaving lots of times and should have been trained and punished. But that's going to happen with a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old. And then they learn from it and they don't do that. He wasn't getting that. There was a failure to discipline because the mom had read a book and bought into the idea not to spank him. And so he just got away with whatever. Mistake number two, rewarding misbehavior. We touched on this a little bit. Um, But here's an easy question. Why do children throw temper tantrums? Well, they 
initially they're not happy and so they're acting out but they also want to try to get their way yeah and sometimes when kids throw temper tantrums they realize oh when i make some noise the thing that i wanted to happen sometimes it happens yes <laughs> and especially so when i'm in a public place <laughs> yes wow this works yes. and uh it's effective and and kids it's amazing how young they can figure this stuff out um and so like you talked about with the gambling thing it, if that is ever if a tantrum is ever rewarded with the desired outcome oh, yeah. It's like the lottery. And they're like, well, if I spin the wheel again, it may result in, you know, what I want. And so that's why we, we tell our kids, like, if you act ugly, you're not going to get the thing that you're wanting. Several years ago, you might remember the Somali pirates. And that really surprised me at the beginning because I'm used to thinking of pirates as like, you know, late 16, early 1700s, you know, that type of era. And here we were in the 21st century, and we had pirates. But then I saw why we had pirates. These Somali pirates would go out. They would uh, come up in their little boats with guns. They would attack a big boat and just uh, hijack it and bring it into the Somali port. And then the owner of the ship or the country of the ship's origin would cough up the ransom for the people and the boat and its contents, and they would drop it in a plastic bag into the ocean. The pirates would grab the money and let the boat go. Hmm. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you're a Somali pirate, and you just got, you know, one or two or three million dollars. What does that encourage you to do? This pirating thing's working out. <laughs> yeah, so you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again. And it got to be a real problem until some military boats were sent into the area and suddenly and there things, was discipline yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was some discipline and things take so the, a very small child they may throw their first tantrum just because they're not happy but then they see that it got them what they want so if you've ever seen something like that uh here's here's the mom she's at the store and the kid sees something and she's in a hurry. She's got limited money or whatever, or it's not healthy. And she's not going to get that. But the child says, I don't want it. I want it. I want it. And she says, no, no, we're not going to get that today. You increase the volume. Start pitching a bigger fish. No, 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 we're not. And and she's trying to calm him down. And he's maybe starting to yell and say, I hate you. You're mean. And she's, he's trying to kick her and stuff. And now where's mom looking? Everybody's looking at her. Mom is embarrassed. Mom is looking around to other people. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And and and, and then she's getting angry and frustrated with the child. Shh, stop it. Stop it. You're embarrassing me. Never has that tantrum thrower said, oh, pardon me, mother. <laughs> right. I had no idea. Certainly was not my intent. <laughs> I feel so badly. I'm going to sit down in my little buggy seat and be a really good boy the rest of this shopping trip. Yes, he's embarrassing her because he knows that once she gets embarrassed and he keeps pitching a fit, what's maybe going to happen? All right, you get what you get. The thing that you're on the tent to the for. buggy, it goes. So 
Um, another thing is letting a child get his way is not doing a favor. It will spoil him, spoil him. Letting a child get his way will not satisfy him. It will spoil him. I heard about a study done on a playground where they studied where children played in a city playground. And so at the edge of the playground, there's a sidewalk and then a street. And in the street, you've got what? Cars. Yeah. Traffic. Trucks, buses, taxis and stuff. And then you've got strangers on the sidewalk. So guess where the children played? In the middle of the playground, primarily, where they felt safe. They put up a fence around the playground. Guess where the children played? All over the playground. Hmm. Now they felt secure. They had boundaries and they knew where they were safe. And now they could run and play in the authorized area that was theirs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our children be, ought to be able to run and play. Mm -hmm. They've got to do some chores. They need to learn some things. Uh, but they also ought to be able to enjoy being a child mm -hmm. and let them let them do that. But they will be more secure when they know where their boundaries are, not just for play, but in life in general. So here's a story. And I had been doing this series for a long time and I was in Birmingham and somebody told me this story. And I thought, I'm going to I'm going to start using that because it makes a good point. I, I assumed it was not true. So whenever I told it, I said, now somebody shared this with me. It's probably one of those anecdotes that somebody made up, but it makes a point. And I repeated that several times until I was in Manchester, Tennessee. And Sarah Bain Bunting was in the audience. And afterwards she said, no, that, that was not just an ad. That was real. She said, my husband was the one that saw that and she gave me more details of it tell me where it was and different things so he was there for a meeting and there was a little little child that was just a tyrant just you know the drapes all over the house were pulled down they just horribly behaving and one morning one of the parents fixed breakfast for the little child so picture a child i guess in their high chair and they put the breakfast in front of the child and the child said, I don't want it. And the parent said, what do you want? I want a worm. The adult went outside and dug around until they found a worm. They came back in and the child said, I want it cooked. The adult put the worm in the skillet fried the worm, brought it to the child. I want you to cut it in two and you eat half of it. I, I say parent here, but really the person in control here is, is the little tyrant, the child. Yeah. The adult cut the worm in half and ate their half of the worm. No way. And then offered the other half to the child to, at which point the child returned to the fact that they didn't want it. Just insane. I, that's not a happy kid. No. I don't know what happened to that person in later life, but unless somebody stepped in or those parents wised up or that child at some point took responsibility themselves and, and, and tried to undo years 
of baggage from being raised in a home like that, I can't imagine that that child did well. Yeah. Unless there was some drastic change. Yeah. So sad. And yet, when, when it's, Stephen, when one of your children has been misbehaving and they have to be corrected and they have to suffer consequences, how do you find they are afterwards? It, it really is amazing how consistently, you know, we go through the discipline and then they're just a happier kid. Oh, yeah. The the demeanor changes. They just feel so much better. Yes. And before the discipline, often they're just miserable and they're, yeah. they're misbehaving, frustrated. But after there's loving discipline, there's communication and reaffirmation of love. Um, you know, can we really work hard to never discipline and anger, never uh, do that in a way that's just off the cuff. But we take time before the discipline to talk with them. Okay, what happened? You know, what needs to happen now? We go through the steps. Yeah, yeah. And then we reaffirm our love for them. And then, man, they'll go back off and play. Oh, and they're, they're just so much more content. such happier children. Um, it, there's a passage in Hebrews, you know, uh, the discipline is not joyous at the moment, but it yields peaceful fruit. And that child that is secure, that has corrected their behavior, that now and and the discipline has been received, the apology has been made, they've gotten their hug, life is back where it needs to be, and their heart is adjusted. It's like when you're all out of whack and the chiropractor just gets you all straightened out and just, oh, that feels good. Yeah. Put that the fence has been reinforced. Yeah, yeah. And now they can play within the fence. Yes. Somebody said the difference between a boy and a pig is if you give both of them everything they want, you'll have a really tasty pig and a really rotten boy. <laughs> Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof bring wisdom, but a child who gets his own way, one translation says, brings shame to his mother. Don't reward. Do not reward misbehavior all right our last point here today before we wind up is expecting misbehavior we're not talking about wanting misbehavior hoping for misbehavior or preferring misbehavior but this is a trap a lot of parents can get into and especially if you've got several children and one of them is a little bit we'll, we'll talk later about different personality types and just because your children are different, different personality types, don't make the mistake of, of saying, oh, I wish this one was like that one. Mm. There's strengths and weaknesses to different personality types. Help your child train them with what they need. Uh, don't let that frustrate you. But sometimes we start giving up on a child and just think, well, well they're going to do that. Mm. And so you start saying things like, oh, we can't take him to the restaurant. Oh, there's no way he's going to sit still for an hour. Well, after all that sugar, he's going to be impossible. Oh, I'll never get him to eat that. Uh, and uh, sorry, my son's not much of a sharer. Oh. Uh, he's he's always going to be a liar. Uh, no, he doesn't have to be. He said, well, he's been this way for a little while. Yeah, and, and whose job is it, mom? Whose job is it, dad, to teach him not to do that? Just because his brother or sister didn't have the same problem, they had a different problem. This one has a new problem. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Mm. That's our job. If he's not much of a sharer, I'm going to teach him to share. Mm -hmm. If he's lying, 
I'm going to teach him not to lie. If he, it's this is our challenge and our job. He or she needs you to not give up on them. Yeah. And it's so important to realize that you know there are going to be times where your child misbehaves, where they act out, and that there's a, a pattern where you know this child struggles with this particular thing. But to know that especially when a child struggles with something consistently, that's especially where they need their parents to yeah. help them with that and to do it patiently. There's going to be times where you can't expect immediate perfect behavior. Uh, if something's been a problem for a while, it may right, take a while right. to it get may. back on the track. And this is true as adults, right? We realize we get into bad habits and we need to discipline ourselves to get into a good pattern. But with children, they especially need that positive reinforcement of, all right, this is not the way you have to be. And something we really try to be careful to tell our children is, is you're not you're not a bad girl. You're not, you know, you've had this bad behavior, but yeah. this is not who you are. And that's not who you want to be. That's right. It's not who God wants you to be. It's not who we want you to be. And you don't want to be that. We're going to help you to not be that. I want to say one more point here before we wind up. And um, this is especially true. I think maybe as they get a little bit older, if you've got something and it tends to keep being a problem, if you, it, it can help sometimes to just you take some time and get them in a different environment because they can get, if you got an adolescent or a teenager and they're used to mom saying, I can't believe you did that again, or dad saying, here we go again. And it's like, then they hunker down and they, they feel defeated and then maybe rebellious. And then here we go again, I'm in trouble again. And then this, maybe just say, plan some time and say, listen, Saturday, you and I are going to go put it, do something that they like. If it's a girl and she likes fancy stuff, maybe you're going to go out for tea. If it's a boy, maybe you're going to go fishing or hiking, but say, listen, Saturday, we're going out. We're going to hike the, the trail or whatever. And we're going to talk about life and why this principle is important. Mm -hmm. Just you and I. And you get them out there and you've taken your day and maybe you're going to get breakfast or lunch you take a few hours and they see dad's interrupted his schedule. He's not just walked in the door and rolling his eyes and frustrated with me again. Dad's taking some time and this is just me and dad time. And he's taking this serious. And you go to get out in God's nature and talk. And this, this is a different scenario than just, you know, walking in his room or across the kitchen table and he knows here it comes again. Talk to him, help him think it through and see why this is important, what God wants for him, what you want for him, and why he has to learn this now. And that you're going to help him change his behavior, but he's got to get on the program. Mm -hmm. Something like that sometimes can make a real difference because now it's not as easy to just dismiss it as mom's saying that again or dad's saying that again. Mm -hmm. It, it 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 doesn't come across as an annoyance that, wow, my parents really love me and they're really sacrificing their time. I see what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And once they're on board with the program, well, that makes it so much easier. Yeah, amen. 
Thank you all so much for listening to the podcast today. If you're enjoying what you hear, please leave us a rating or a review. Or subscribe so you can hear more episodes. Um, if you'd like to, to talk more about these principles with us, uh, please reach out, 717-585-0949. You can text or call, email us at capitalcitychristians at gmail.com. But for more information, check us out at capitalcitychristians.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.